Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Good morning. It's a real joy to be with you again this morning. And for those who haven't met me, I'm Annie Nash and I work for the Diocese of Bishops Enabler of Missions. So I travel across all the different churches and it's always a joy to be here because this feels to me much more like home, which is great. We're coming towards Advent and you may have heard this story before, but some of you may have been in churches where they have a little children's talk before they, the children go out. Has anyone been in those sorts of churches? Yep, quite a few people nodding. Well, there was a time when somebody was doing the children's talk and she was thinking about preparation and she thought, I know, animals have to prepare for winter. So she started her talk, she said, right children, who can tell me what this is? It lives in trees, it gathers nuts, it's grey and fluffy and has a nice big tail. And this child goes, I think the answer must be Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. (laughs) The answer must be Jesus. I don't know if you're aware that for the last, I don't know, two months? six weeks you've been doing a course in, which has been called Encountering Jesus. I don't know, is that, is that uh, yeah, a few months anyway. And so I'm sorry I haven't been to many of them, but Encountering Jesus, and here we are at the last one, as you can see on the screen there, Encounters with Jesus, a man by the pool. The last story of Encountering Jesus before Advent, um, when we're not going to think about squirrels. And so we have this fantastic story of uh, this man being healed by the pool. Now, it may not be one of the most familiar miraculous healings, and I think one of the reasons is it's quite a complex story. And I was preparing a really clever sermon with lots of complexity about it, when God actually really spoke clearly and said, Annie, it's all about Jesus. (laughs) Um, And I was really struck by how today I just want to remind us that it is all about Jesus. And this story... Jesus rings clear in this story what he is calling this man to do, what he is calling us to do today. First of all, it starts off by Jesus. He's in Jerusalem. It sounds like he's on his own without his disciples. Interesting interesting to reflect on that. And he goes to this pool, which is a miraculous pool where water is bubbling up and people are thinking of being healed. Now, it's quite likely to be a natural spring. I'm sure you've been to the sorts of places where the springs, the water sort of bubbles up and we can see it sort of happening. And in this, in this context, there's quite a sort of superstitious sense that if you can get in the water first, then you might be healed. And possibly the waters had some sort of healing properties. Possibly they, they had minerals and things that were helpful to, to folk. And so Jesus is there at this pool and was surrounded by many, many people. The sick, the ill, the paralyzed, says Scripture. And first of all, one of the challenges here is that Jesus sees this man. He sees him. It's one of the first ways that we can give, acknowledge somebody, isn't it? By seeing them. It's almost like the the first point of human dignity is by seeing somebody, by recognizing them. I don't know about you, but with the many homeless in the streets of Edinburgh, the first thing we can do is by seeing them, by recognizing them, by looking them in the eye. We may feel that we don't want to give them money, but what does a smile or a sorry or a word of comfort give? 
seeing somebody, acknowledging their human worth and their dignity. Jesus sees this man and sees him in all his trouble. It's quite likely he was right sort of at the back to one side because he hadn't been able to get into the water. I find it interesting that the word for paralyzed used here is withered, withered, lying on a mat there for 38 years, says scripture. Jesus sees him and sees his condition. And I don't know about you, but 38 years lying on a mat in this condition, 38 years of the withered life withering away, I'm sure this man probably was used to it. He was stuck with it. He'd become accustomed to his state. Quite likely, there was a sense of hopelessness, abandonment, forgotten, ignored, despair. And Jesus sees him. Jesus sees the state that he's in, sees that abandonment, sees the loneliness, sees the despair. And for us today, Jesus sees us by the power of God's Spirit. He is here, looking into our lives, into the situations we face, complex relationships, the pain, the joys, the celebrations, and sees the dry places, the withered places, potentially the places where you have given up hope, the things that maybe we've got accustomed to, the words that have been spoken over us. The things that maybe we've tried to find healing or a way forward in the past and it hasn't worked and we've given up. Jesus sees each one of us. He sees me. He sees you. And what does Jesus do? When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus said to the man, do you want to get well? He sees him and he challenges him. He challenges him, do you want to get well? Now, you'd have thought the answer would be, yes, of course. Yay, whoopee. Actually, the man avoids the issue. The man goes on to say, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. It's almost as if he's trying to sort of pass the blame. You know, well, you know, other people aren't there to help. And he's still thinking about the pool. He hasn't really acknowledged or discovered who Jesus is. He's not taking responsibility and saying, yes, I want to be healed. Of course, the challenge for him partly would be that he's got so used to this state that the thought of anything different is almost impossible. Of course, as an invalid, he would have had to get by by begging. And if he was healed, well, he wouldn't be able to do that anymore. 
There would even be a cost to this healing. He would have to take responsibility again for his own life. He would have to learn a different way of being because he was so used to lying on his mat that he didn't know anything else now. Do you want to be healed, says Jesus? It's almost like, can you find the courage to believe in me, to do this? Can you imagine a different life, a life of healing and wholeness? The sense in which the man is challenged before he has to respond. And I think that challenges for each one of us too. It is incredibly challenging when you've been in a situation for a long time to believe that God can break in and do something. It's incredibly difficult when people have spoken words over you to say that's not true. We all know how hard it is for our lives to be changed. And yet we've sung and we've worshipped and we've praised God who does great things. It's almost like Jesus is saying, do you really believe that? Do you want to be healed? Do you want this to make a difference to all of your life, not just when you're at church worshipping with others? Can you count the cost of what that means? Taking responsibility for your faith, for your discipleship. Each one of us is called to follow Jesus in our own ways. Each one of us is called to be healed in many, many different ways. The challenge is, do you want this? Do you want what God can do for you? And are you willing? Do you want to be healed? And it goes on, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Having challenged him, Jesus commands him. Jesus commands him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Arise, says the Greek. And I love the way that John deliberately links it into, if you look into verse 21, it says, for just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, the Son gives life to whomever he is pleased to give it. The Father raises the Son, and Jesus says, Arise, be raised. I wonder when, when the man began to, to feel that things were different. At the command, did the life flow into him and through him? Did there, was there something of God's presence, God's spirit, giving him the power to respond? Jesus commands him. There's a sense in which the words of Jesus give the life and the power to respond. But the command is still that challenge. The command demands obedience, courage, Faith, faith to step out, faith to believe, faith not to hold on to 38 years lying on a mat, faith not to cling on to 
the stuff in our lives which ties us down, the baggage which holds us. A number of years ago, I had a very powerful image from God. You know um, army assault courses? I don't know if you've ever done one. I've had a go at one or two, not very well. You know, sometimes they have a net and you have to crawl under the net and you're sort of crawling along and you're using your elbows in the mud face down. And I had this really clear image from God that this was me in the mud, you know, crawling along and, and, and face down. And I really clearly heard God saying to me, stand up, you idiot, there's no net. <laughs> what are you doing down there in the mud? Stand up, arise. I think so often that's how we can feel. That's how our lives are, down there on our face in the mud. We feel trapped by all the stuff, all the baggage, all the words that are spoken over us. And the word is, God says, arise, stand up. I love the way that our worship has really prepared us, I think, for this message. If the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. You can be set free because there's no net. This week I came across an incredibly powerful poem by George Herbert. Awake, sad heart, whom sorrow ever drowns. Take up thine eyes which feed on earth. Unfold thy forehead gathered into frowns. Thy saviour comes and with him mirth. Awake, awake, and with a thankful heart his comforts take. But thou dost still lament and pine and cry, and feel his death, but not his victory. Arise, sad heart, if thou dost not withstand, Christ's resurrection thine may be. Do not by hanging down break from the hand which as it riseth, riseth thee. Arise, arise, and with his burial linen dry thine eyes. Christ left his grave clothes, that we might, when grief draws tears or blood, not want a handkerchief. Such profound words. If you've ever been in that place of desperate grief, clinging on to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, knowing that when God says, arise, we can arise because of the victory Christ has won on the cross. Jesus commands us, arise. And then, of course, Jesus heals this man. He heals this man. Again, you know, when does the healing power come? Does he feel it and then get up? Or is it in the getting up that he discovers that his legs and his, his muscles and his back and his arms are suddenly restored, renewed, made whole? We're called, we're commanded to take action, to take that step of faith, to believe all that God has done for us, to believe in the power of the resurrection, to believe that we can be set free. It's already been said that, you know, we can know this in our head, but does it go down into our hearts, into our souls, into our lives, that God can truly make us whole? I've already said there's a cost to that. It's a challenge. And it doesn't always happen as we might want. In this story, the man is healed. But for each one of us, there may have been times when God doesn't seem to have worked in this way. Do we still have faith? Do we still trust 
that God has done great things, that God is good. That whilst this might not be the moment that God does what we want, that one day we will all be made whole. That one day in the resurrection of Christ, we will all be perfect and, and before God in his glory. That's the promise of the resurrection, that we will be healed, we will be made whole. And in this life, we can still discover God's healing as we take that step of faith, as we reach out to God, as we ask him for all that we've been talking about, ask him for that relief, ask him to be set free, ask him for the chains to be broken and discover there is no net and we can arise and stand up strong and straight before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This man was healed and God calls us to be healed. And one of the extraordinary things I think is that both the man and the Pharisees don't seem to celebrate what happens. It says the man, the man picked up his mat and walked. You could almost imagine walked off. Off he goes. Doesn't seem to say a word. And then later in this passage, you know, which John is using to discuss the Sabbath, you know, the, the fact that this happened on the Sabbath when it was not right to carry your mat, but it was against the law to carry your mat, the Pharisees are much more concerned about that. There was a list of 39 things that you weren't allowed to do, and one of them was to carry anything from house to house. You couldn't carry a bed, you couldn't carry your mat. I was reading in one commentary that apparently if somebody was on the bed, you could. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> but you weren't allowed to carry your mat on the Sabbath. And that's what the Pharisees and that's what the man are so deeply concerned about. There's no sense of celebration. There's no sense of rejoicing and an amazing sort of praise and worship to God because he's been healed. There isn't even a sort of sense in which the man was particularly thankful. I mean, we, we don't know. But, you know, some of the stories where, where Jesus is healing, we see a much, a much greater response. Here we see, you know, he picked up his mat and walked off. Oh, great, thanks. <laughs> Our heal, God's healing should call forth a response of praise and worship and celebration and thankfulness. Even when we don't feel that touch of God that we want, God is still God and we can still praise him and worship him and thank him. And sometimes it's in our worship and our praise that the healing is released. I think we're called not to just walk off. Not to get so caught up in the nitty-gritty of, well, how is it going to happen? And, you know, what is God really like? And will God really do it? And, and all the sort of sense in which the law can, can sometimes trap us and the law can be what holds us back. We're here this morning because of God's grace. And one of the extraordinary things about this Bible passage, I think, is this man does not deserve healing. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't do anything. Jesus initiates it. Jesus sees him. Jesus challenges him. Jesus commands him. And Jesus heals him. We don't have to be good enough for God to work in our lives. It's not what we do that matters. God just loves us. Have you ever had um, you know, parents with a brand new tiny little baby? I don't know, are there any in the church? Possibly you've got, got some in the church with tiny, new, brand new babies. And they're so proud. Oh, look at my, you know, look at my new, new one. I mean, I'm not a baby person, and I think, oh, great. <laughs> but they're so proud of this tiny little thing. Treasure it. It's special, it's precious. 
God sees each one of us like that. And we haven't, we, the baby hasn't done anything. I mean, well, I would say it's probably, you know, puked and pooed and all the rest of it. But it hasn't done anything to deserve that love. And for each one of us, we don't have to try and please God. We don't have to struggle and strive constantly. His love is there and his love is constant. And Jesus heals this man out of grace, not law. And then the story goes on. The men, the, uh, the Pharisees are challenging the man and saying, who healed you? Who is this fellow that told you to pick up the mat and walk? And the Jesus, it says the man who, he, who was healed had no idea who Jesus was. No idea. Completely ignorant. Extraordinary, really. But the wonderful thing here is that the story isn't over because Jesus finds him. Jesus finds him in the temple. And this is the same Greek word is the verb that is used in the parable of the lost sheep, where God goes out looking for that lost sheep. And Jesus, I think, goes looking for this man because the story's not quite over. Jesus finds him. The man isn't really even aware who Jesus is. He's completely oblivious, really. Jesus again takes the initiative and goes looking for the one who was lost. Here's a quote from Henry Nouwen. God rejoices, not because the problems of the world have been solved, not because of all human pain and suffering have come to an end, not because thousands of people have been converted and are now praising him for his goodness. No, God rejoices because one of his children who was lost has been found. Jesus finds this man. Jesus goes looking for him. God looks for each one of us. He searches for us. Not in a one-off moment does he see us, but throughout our lives, this is the call of God, calling each one of us. I love the sense that this links to the creation story where God comes into the garden in the cool of the day and calls Adam. Adam, Adam, where are you? Each one of us being called Annie, where are you? Each one of us being loved because we've been created and made by the greatest, gracious God. Jesus finds this man and says what could seem like some very harsh words. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. See, you are well again. This man has been made whole on the outside. But Jesus calls him to change. Jesus changes us and longs to change us from the inside out. He's saying to this man, Look, you're well. You've been made whole. Now change from the inside. Change not just physically, but spiritually. Stop sinning. Follow the rules of the, follow the Lord, follow the Lord your God. Seek to grow in faith, grow in discipleship. Seek to become all that I have called you to be. Seek to discover more of the life that you can live now you are healed. 
Live in this freedom. Live in this healing. Live in the way that I've created you. I don't know if you've seen Lord of the Rings. Um, I may have used this quote before, but I I love the bit in Lord of the Rings where Aragorn, who's been born a a king and he's been sort of in hiding and and, um, uh, not quite living up to who he is, and there's a lovely moment where someone comes up to him and says, Aragorn, become who you were born to be. Become who you were born to be. That, I think, is God's call on our lives, each one of us. If you like, it's our vocation, discovering who God has made us and becoming who we were born to be. And so he says to this man, stop sinning. Become who God created you to be. The passage goes on to talk about judgment. It goes on to talk about the eternal life that God calls us to. And so that sense in which we are called to grow into eternal life, grow into God's calling, grow into what God wants for each one of us as we are healed, as we are restored, as we are set free. That's the challenge for this man and that's the challenge for each one of us this morning. Jesus sees us. Sees the withered places. Sees the despair. Jesus challenges us. Do you want to be healed? Do you really want that? Jesus commands us, arise. Arise. Jesus heals us as we respond in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, not because we've earned it, but because he loves us. Jesus finds us. And I love the image of the lost sheep, but having found us, he puts us on his shoulders and carries us home with celebration and rejoicing. Not like this man did, because this man, what he, his response is he goes back, back to the Pharisees. I think this is a classic example of someone who doesn't respond in the way God's calling us to. Are we happy for Jesus to carry us on his shoulders, snuggled into him? And then Jesus changes us from the inside out. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be set free. We can become who God has called us to be, who God has created us to be. It's not an instant thing. That's why the challenge is to stop sinning, to keep walking this out day by day by day, step by step by step, taking the responsibility for our own life, for our own discipleship, as we put our trust in the living God, as we discover the presence of Jesus. I wonder what mat you're lying on. I wonder what your withered places are. I wonder what God is calling you to do this morning. I wonder if we have the courage to respond. This is a very personal talk. I'm speaking to myself as well. There's an opportunity to discover the net is not there, but we can arise and stand before the living God. Don't often do this, but I feel that it might be an opportunity to do that. But if you want to respond, I actually encourage you to arise, to stand before God, 
to let those chains, those shackles, that net drop off. If I wasn't standing, I would stand up now. But God says, do you want to be healed? Take that step of faith and arise. We'll just hold silence for a moment as we reflect on what God has been saying to us. And if you would like to take that courageous step to stand, then please do. There'll be prayer ministry afterwards as well, so please do, if you'd like somebody to pray with you at the end or during the songs, do, do seek some prayer. But let's just hold a moment before the, the band come. Let's invite God. And if you have the courage to stand, then please do. God, we thank you for Jesus. That Jesus sees us. Thank you for the challenge. That he calls us to courage. Thank you for the command to arise and we pray for those who have stood up, that your Holy Spirit would pour, be poured out on them in healing and strength and freedom. God, we pray for chains to be broken, for nets to be removed. We thank you for your healing power and your healing presence with us now. And we pray for each one of us that that healing power would flow into the deepest, darkest places of our lives. Thank you that you have found us, that you carry us home with rejoicing. And Lord, we pray that each one of us would continue to be transformed by your spirit. Change us from the inside out to become all that you've made us to be. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Amen. <laughs>